Chum. Oh, I am festooned with festive excitement. My halls have been decked with boughs of holly. My balls are jingling. Oh, <laughs> welcome to your friendly little environment podcast about people and the planet. Sustainable! Sustainable. Oh, a pun so good. We're using it two years in a row. Welcome to Sustainable. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a Christmassy episode because it's nearly Christmas, which means we are going to be putting the I saw three ships come sailing in into Inhof of the week. We will be putting Sustainable of the Week into We Three Kings of Orientar. And we will be putting the reasons to be cheerful into fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Holy moly, you've only gone and surpassed yourself, Ol. Just the usual disclaimer, before we begin with this festive nonsense, we do work for environmental charities, even those of us who don't, because it's Christmas. Uh, But these are very much our own views, so if you have any trouble with anything you're about to hear, if Santa delivers you a present that you do not like, take it up with the elves and not with the big man himself, yes? So, Sustainable of the Week. This is the section every week where we have a look at some of the nonsense, the egregious eco-guff that has been spoken, uh, usually by companies or politicians trying to sound greener than they are. And who has been guffing this week, Dave? Well, all it's Christmas. And what does Christmas mean? Guff. Guff! Babble, that's right. The sprouts of nonsense have been consumed this week by your friends and mine, Land Rover. Now, oh, lovely, lovely Land, Land, Land Rover. Rover. So, you know, saviors I... of the climate, Land Rover. <laughs> yes. Um, you see, we've got, hang on, before we do this, we've got, um, we've got a lot of this, haven't we? Because Christmas brings the babble coming out, much like uh, children walking around Westfield screaming and being sick, right? So yes. we, th- there's an awful lot of it about at the moment. Uh, and we're going to have to canter through some of this. So I wanted to like talk a bit about this babble, but then bring in some other babble as well, because like, there's good. a lot, yeah. lot of babble around, right? Uh, so this babble, yeah, this is about Land Rover. Now Land Rover, what do they make, Ol? They make money, Dave. Lots <laughs> and lots of money from people who have lots of money. And how do they make that then? Do they uh, sing them nice carols and get given some uh, cash in exchange for being angelic little cherubs? It's like that, but I think they usually chuck in a big um, petrol or diesel guzzling car uh, as part of the package, yeah. They sell big cars that people in cities drive around pretending they need off-road 4x4, chains on their tyres, three engines in the bonnet, uh, just to kind of make their way from the King's Road to Chelsea. Are those places? I don't know. I'm not posh enough to really know. Oh, really? (laughs) 
you don't know where I, King's Road and Chelsea is. Is that right? Look, I admit I'm quite posh-ish. <laughs> As are you. Uh, I'm not posh. You're just, I, at least, you know, and it, right, we're getting, we're getting sidetracked. This is not what people tune in to. I've never heard so ridiculous in my life. I'm not a push. <laughs> it looks as though we're in for a splendid afternoon sport on this, the 127th Upper Class Twit of the Year show. And there's a big crowd here today to see these prize idiots in action. Vivian Smith. Anyway. What are we talking about? Talking about Land Rover, right? What they've done is, right, they make massive cars. But in order to prove how, you know, it's Christmas, they've got a house and babble to babble on about, they have commissioned some Danish architects called Lumo to, quote, design and build a compact Christmas cabin. They've made a little household that you can go they in the snow. House. And you can yeah. go in the snow and you can get it out. And uh, it can sleep two adults. And it can withstand North Pole temperatures as low as minus 20 degrees. You know, if you're going to drive your Land Rover to the North Pole. Which, as as uh, our friend Icy Mark, uh, Mr. Mark Brandon, pointed out, that is about 20 degrees colder than North Pole t- temperatures at the moment. It only needs to withstand two degrees, whatever it is, isn't it? So, you know, they've wasted their time there. What you get, what are you going to drive on? Pogo sticks or something? <laughs> How's that going to work? There's nothing no ice to drive on, is there? Pogo stick klaxon! Right, we need a pogo <laughs> stick klaxon for Dave, because he, he, will, he will mention it if you possibly can. Uh, because it has been done by Land Rover, and I guess this is the point of their stupid activity, it folds down, this little cabin, it folds down to fit in the rear of the top-selling Land Rover Discovery Sport. Mm. Um, 100,000 rich people have bought a Discovery Sport. 100,000 people? Mm. How, many, how many have you got? Uh, just the three. The point is, um, they've gone and made this cabin, which, which is a bizarre gimmick anyway, but they've done it, and it looks very nice. Um, and, well, I mean, it looks, you know, nice enough for a small box, but they're saying you can you can drive your, your Land Rover Sport to somewhere remote and beautiful and cold and, and, and unpack your cabin and build it and have a lovely, cosy time. And most importantly, they have put some thought into this, and their lucky, lucky packaging engineer, uh, Mr. Mohammed Malik, has, has said the following. Anything that wears the Land Rover badge has to be capable and versatile with beautiful, simple design. Our cabin also had to be sustainable and easily transportable. Oh, this is such bollocks, this is. <laughs> Honestly, right? What the hell do they think they're doing? So, do you know what is... You know, go back and have a listen, Land Rover. Come here, Land Rover. Have some of those and go and listen to episode 66 where we interview Icy Mark, right? And Icy Mark talks about the Arctic. And you know what he says about the Arctic? He says it's gone. That's what he says about it. <laughs> he says it's, it's gone away and it's very, very warm and it's not there anymore. And you know why that is? Why did Icy Mark say that is, all? Oh, because um, people like Land Rover have made loads and loads of ridiculous... I nearly said ridiculous, which is your word. Ridiculous, <laughs> carbon-munching, spewing, climate-busting machines. I mean, it's, it's just, this is classic babble. This is absolutely vintage babble. Elsewhere on the website, it says uh, that the, the cabin is designed to have a minimal impact on the environment. Well, that doesn't really matter, does it? You might as well have just made one out of asbestos and and ducks because like it doesn't matter the point is you sell loads and loads of massive engine cars that have a huge impact on the environment and that's what your business is and that's what you want to keep doing so just sod off with your your christmas 
babble. They even got a Christmas pun in there, and Christmas puns should be left to sustain a babble. They said it's all for a good clause, and I'm just angry because I hadn't thought of that myself. <laughs> you better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm right, what else we got? Ah, yeah, okay. So the annual saga of Owl's Tree. Now then. Um, <laughs> so <is> very personal. <laughs> So, regular listeners to Sustainable may remember last year that Ol displayed, not for the first time, or indeed the last time, spectacular hypocrisy by talking about how great it is to go into a forest and chop down a tree uh, whilst they're killing a bird. Killing birds. Killing five birds. Squirrels. There's a squirrel on that tree. Doesn't matter. Ol just shoots it and then he eats it but spits it out again. Doesn't he want to digest it, right? And he takes the tree through the snow. Oi, oi, oi. You're editing this week so you can dig up the precise bit in that episode where I said those exact words, okay? Because otherwise, the listeners might think that you're talking shit. I think you said something like this. They don't exist. I don't think there is a really sustainable uh, argument for having a Christmas tree in your house. Um, I have a Christmas tree in my house because I really like Christmas trees and the nice smell they make, and it makes me feel nice and all Christmassy. I did go. Is that the smell of death? That's basically the oh, smell of a Christmas tree God, dying. How do I meet you? Tears. Tears. Christmas you tree tears. That's what it is. It's basically. The ah, see, there you are. That's what you said. And the best thing about it is you can't remember what you said. So I just put the clip in, and now you'll have to just we'll have to see what it says, won't we? Uh, anyway, what's your point? Yes, I'm a hypocrite. I think we've established that. What, what's your point? Well, uh, so am I this year. That's what I wanted to say, because I'm going to oh, get good. <laughs> Brilliant. After all that, after the guilt trips, after the public shaming, yes. after the, ooh, you can only call yourself an environmentalist if you're yes. going to go and kill a tree. You're going to go and kill a tree. Yes, because you said it was all right. Well, it was last year, but things have got much worse, haven't they? Well, have you got one this year? Well, thank you for asking. Yes, I have got a tree this year, but the tree I've got this year was grown in a pot and it is still in its pot and it is still alive and still growing. And after oh, Christmas is over, we're going to put it outside in its garden and it's going to continue, in our garden rather, and it's going to continue growing and it's going to be sucking nice carbon out of the air and growing, providing a lovely view to look at, probably no useful habitat for any animals. But then next year we can bring it inside again. Oh, God, that felt good. Yeah, anyway, one more bit of babble, if I can indulge you for a sec. You can always indulge me. What do people wear at Christmas? Oh, big smiles on their faces that get bigger as they get drunker on Baileys. <laughs> yes, they do do that. And what else do they wear, Oh. Uh, jumpers, Christmas jumpers. Yeah, well, apparently this is the thing we do now, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Oh, this is another one of them things. It's like Halloween or Black Friday. I'm reasonably sure this never used to be a thing, wearing a jumper at Christmas with a picture of an elf on it or a... Christmas tree made out of triangles. But sir, Christmas is a time for giving. A time to be with one's family. I say bah. Humbug. I don't care. I say Merry Christmas. Anyway, this bloke, a UK fashion designer called Tom Cridland, is very upset and concerned, Ol, because people buy jumpers and then they throw them away. Or the jumpers are made out of, like, hopes and dreams and and nice promises and they last about five minutes and then they go all spindly and they all fall to bits and then you throw them away, basically. Yeah, fair enough. Good on, Tom Cridland. That is a fair point. Why? why, What's the babble here? What's he done wrong? Where's, where's Arabella? Hello, Arabella. Happy Christmas, Arabella. Happy Christmas, 
Dave. Um, could you read out what Tom Cridland says about this jumper, what he's made? A combination of technology, luxury fabric and old school craftsmanship make it built to last a lifetime, in contrast to the needless cir- cycle of consumption and waste that exists all over the world at Christmas, this is a garment truly built to last. Yeah, in contrast, so what, basically what he's done, all, um, you know this thing that everyone buys for absolutely no reason, that there's completely no benefit in, and they just buy it because everyone else is buying it, and you only buy it at one time a year and it's totally pointless? Yes. Right, well, he's made one that doesn't wear out as quickly as other people's ones. Yeah, yes, which is, you know... That's that's a good thing, isn't it? Well, I'm sure we must have banged on in the way that we bang on uh, about built-in obsolescence and this idea that that you know companies want our stuff to break more quickly than it used to, so that we have to buy replacements sooner than we used to, because that's what keeps our miserable economy churning around. But you know, th- 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 fair enough. Buy make one that lasts longer. The the point is though, you can't really say this is a brilliantly green thing to do, can you? Because it's. No. It's not exactly how the sort of, what, the waste hierarchy or whatever it's called is described. Sorry, the what? You can klaxon me if you like, and I know you just... I'd rather you didn't klaxon me. Right, okay. Well, anyway, thank you for the klaxon. Happy Christmas to you too. But, but, you know, it's a thing, isn't it? It's called the waste hierarchy or something or other. Uh, And it says that, first of all, you reduce your stuff, then you reuse it if you can, and if not, you recycle it. You do things in that order. What this chap, Cridland, is saying (laughs) is that effectively you go uh, reduce, reuse, no, wait, no. The first thing should be buy new jumper, then reduce, (laughs) then reuse, then recycle. So that is the newly defined waste hierarchy, uh, according to the good prophet Tom Cridland. Yeah, it's not in contrast to the needless cycle of consumption and waste that exists at Christmas, mate. It is the needless cycle of consumption <laughs> and waste. Precisely. It's precisely. <laughs> that difference being this is a cycle of consumption and waste that lasts a little bit longer and which you make £65 per jumper off of. What? Oh, Inhofe time. This is the section named after the senator in America, Jim Inhofe, who used to be a slightly irrelevant old man and is now a very powerful old man in the Trump administration. Um, But he is, well, let's just say he puts the twa into twas the night before Christmas. (laughs) What the the listener doesn't know... is that all made us, at the very end of recording, go back and put that pun in. So if it sounds a little bit like editing-wise that's been shoehorned in, it's because all said, Dave, 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 I've thought of a pun. Go back halfway through the episode and put this in. Well, I, and I, th- I think you'll agree it was worth it. <laughs> uh, who's been an idiot this week, Dave? Uh, well, this is we're going to disagree about this, but the story is... How do you know? Uh, because we are, because there's no way on contrarian. earth. <laughs> there's no way on earth we're going to have the same opinion about the thing that's about to happen. If we do, fatherhood has changed you. Let's just put it that way, right? <laughs> uh, so this is a story about a man called Chris Grayling. Who he? I'll tell the listener. 
Uh, he's one of the many kind of balding white chaps who Oi. look the same. Oh, sorry. Uh, in government, who wears suits and ties and you know gets rotated around well-paid jobs in the cabinet and stuff. Um, and the job he's currently doing is transport minister, mm. as far as I understand. Um, so responsible for how we all get around, including how we get around on bicycles, which is unfortunate because in the news last week it emerged. That earlier in the autumn, I think in October, he accidentally uh, knocked a cyclist off his bike. He doored him. He did what to him then? He doored him. You know, when you're cycling along next to a row of cars and someone opens a car door without looking to see if there's anything coming behind. And they open the door and you go flying into it. You get doored on your bike. It's horrible. So what happened? So, uh, okay. So the, why is he, uh, that happened? Accident, right? Why is he bad for doing an accident? Well, because you shouldn't open your door. Ever. How are you going to get out of your car? He was in the middle. Of, he was just outside Parliament, right? Yeah, where he works. In, yep. in stationary traffic. Right. Traffic. You're not, not really supposed to get out of a, a, a car in traffic, are you? Supposed to, the car is supposed to pull over before you get out of it. Uh, but he didn't. It was just on the road. And he obviously thought, right, this is boring. Uh, I'm not getting to my terribly important meeting where I got ignored uh, quick enough, so I'll get out here. And he just opened the door without checking to see if anyone was coming um, up the cycle lane next to him. And there was someone coming up the cycle lane next to him. It was a cyclist, and he knocked him off his bike. So what, did he uh, not say sorry or anything or what? Uh, well, there is some amazing footage um, obtained by the Guardian newspaper of, um, you know, one of those helmet cams that cyclists wear these days, uh, which shows um, a very, obviously very embarrassed and very um, potentially concerned Mr. Grayling getting out and putting a nice hand on the shoulder of the chap he got his uh, knock, his block knocked off. Uh, and then sort of, you can really tell he's going, hmm... This could be bad for him in terms of, you know, his injuries, but much worse for me in terms of my career. And he's within two minutes, he's gone, right, are you all right? Are you all right? Shakes his hand and then just leaves. And um, Mr. Liu, I think his name was, who got knocked off, said that he didn't take any, make any attempt to leave his contact details or, uh, you know, to sort of follow up with him. And he just buggered off. What the bloody hell else is he actually in practice supposed to have done? What's he supposed to have done that anybody else would actually have done in practice? He right, He's not driving for a start. He's a passenger in this car, presumably not even in the front either, because ministers don't sit in the front. So presumably in the back, right? So he hasn't got any mirrors to look out of if he wanted anyway. He must be late for something because the traffic's oh, backed up. On. He's working out. Come on. He's in a flat. Because he's got, he's got to save, he's got to solve the UK's transport problems and he's not all, necessarily all totally in control of his marbles right so he's in a flat um shut up and listen right and then he gets out and he's hurt this bloke and he's like oh mate i'm really sorry and there's no doubt that he gets out and he's like oh come here buddy you're right come here give me a hug come on come here son come here son how can i like you're right and he stays there for like night this is a man who holds the future of the, the country's transport system in his hands and he's desperately late for something he's a passionate man and he you know and he, he says i'm really sorry and then what's he supposed to do like if you were walking down the street and you knocked over an old lady right with your elbows because you're sort of elbowing along with elbows 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 and you knock an old lady down and she goes oh i fall down right and then you so you kneel down and you help her and you sit down with her and after 90 seconds she's like i'm all right it's fine you can go you don't go no no it's all right i'm going to stay with you for another 10 minutes and also here's where i live and here's my email address and here's everything you need to know about me do you, you just go all right fair enough i'm off then so do you actually believe any of that yes any of that stuff that you just said 
It's the it's the world's stupidest. Le- it's the, it's the, the the least expose ish thing I've ever heard in my it's life. Not an, it's not an expose. It's just. You know, it's symptomatic of people who don't really have much compassion. I if if I knocked somebody off their bike and they were clearly, you know, this guy wasn't didn't just bounce straight up. He was lying on the on the pay on the roads in pain and sort of dragged himself to the pavement and then was shocked and dazed and bruised and eventually sort of got up. You'd say, "God, I'm so sorry," you know. And, and in fact, in fact, this is the worst thing. He blamed the cyclist. He said it was his fault for cycling too fast. Well, which is how also far, probably true. Like, far, no, what do you mean? How, what do you mean it's probably true? He was cycling along in a cycle lane, doing. He can go as fast as he want. You know, he's almost certainly not going more than say twenty miles an hour. Um, and the point is, what if he'd opened the door and he was going at ten miles an hour and he just crunched into the door rather than flying into it? That would be all right, would it? It's no, just classic victim blaming. It's not but, victim look, blaming, and I'm I'm, a, cy- oh, I'm a cyclist up. as well. You shut up. I'm a cyclist as well, right? I cycle around, and I, I cycle around like a tit sometimes, right? And there are times when I cycle along like a tit, in between, like, alongside rows of parked cars and things, and I think someone's going to open their door on me right now. And if they did, I'd go, oh, that's really bad. I wish it hadn't happened. But I wouldn't go, you terrible person, you've committed an awful crime, and grass them up to the Guardian. I'd just go, fair enough. That's what happens. You didn't know. I don't think you're you're, oh, you're doing the old extreme thing here. I think that he should have uh, definitely said, right, this is who I am. Here are my contact details. I'm sorry about what happened. If you know, you know, if you need to, in your insurance company needs to be in touch or whatever, here's what we can do. Instead, he was just like, you can just see it on his face. He's like, shit, this could play out really badly. I'm the transport minister. This is really bad. Uh, back away, back away. And apparently his, his colleague, Paul Maynard, no, me neither, who's another transport minister, he was there. Apparently he just left straight away. And a, a Tory parliamentary candidate who's uh, a special advisor uh, to to Mr. Grayling um, has apparently seen just watching the whole thing unfold and slowly putting his identity badge in his jacket pocket. <laughs> okay, <And> it, just, <laughs> it just stinks. You can just see. They're not thinking, gosh, I hope this poor man's all right. They're thinking, gosh, I hope we haven't been spotted. Donald done. So, things Donald done. Yes, the great orange quiffed one. No, not quiff. Quaff, quaffered? What's the word I'm looking for? Dickhead. <laughs> the great orange dickheaded one. <laughs> uh, well, he's done some more orange oh, dickheaded oh, stuff this oh. week. Do you Hello? think it's possible that Donald Trump might sue us? I'm just starting to get a bit worried. He does sue people, doesn't Probably. he? Probably. He sues loads of people, but I mean... Can he? Can he sue us? Can he? I guess we'll find out. Can he sue us for calling him a big orange dickhead? Yes, yes, he can sue us. Well, do you know what? Bring it. No, 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 please, please, Mr. Trump, please, Mr. Trump, please don't bring it. Please don't bring bring it. it. Come on, this could be fun. Anyway, sorry. Yes, right. What's the orange one done? Uh, Well, he has. Ha! He has appointed the CEO of Exxon Mobil. Uh, to be his Secretary of State, <laughs> the most senior diplomat uh, responsible for, uh, you know, negotiating with foreign powers across the globe. Yeah. And also responsible for leading uh, America's uh, negotiations in, in climate talks. Um, so that will be, do you know, that will do you know be what? good. Be this just is spiffing, just, really, won't it's it? Just a, do you know what, Oh. 
right? Do you know what the, what? the, the weirdest thing dead? about this is? is? That well, yeah, do you know what the weirdest thing about this is, right? ExxonMobil's chief executive, ExxonMobil, the guy, you know, who's responsible, who, who runs a company that has been the single largest, most antediluvian force behind climate change ever, oh, right? They've put on the antediluvian music. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I don't know what antediluvian means. Doesn't matter. No one does. Anyway, the scary thing is, oh, he's not by any means the worst person on climate change in Donald Trump's cabinet. Like, he what? actually thinks, what? he thinks, he's like on the record as going, yeah, climate change is a problem. We need a big carbon tax. It's the thing. Like, you know, it's like, he's the but, boss but, of ExxonMobil and he's a good guy relative to all the other guy. ones. He can't be a good guy because of ExxonMobil's, you know, knowing about climate change since the 70s and, and having a massive disinformation campaign to make sure that nothing was done about it. Well, okay. Would you like me to suggest someone worse? Oh, go on then. Yeah, yeah. Who's that? Yeah. Well, um, who's he appointed as his secretary for energy then? Oh? Oh, yeah, that is worse. Um, yes. Fair enough. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, he has appointed uh, Rick Perry, who, for those who don't remember, is someone who himself wanted to be president, big boss of the USA, uh, four years ago. Didn't get very far. Um, he, he forgot which department he wanted to abolish, uh, which was um, ironic because it's the, the department he's now been put in charge of, the energy department. He also has got a, a proud, proud history of denying climate change. Um, he's censored reports on sea level rise when he was a governor in Texas. Uh, and brilliantly, and this is a good idea, actually, fair, fair dues. Um, he responded to a severe drought, uh, by calling for three days of prayer. It's not a surprise really, is it? That the Washington Post reported last week that, um, climate scientists in America, all the good ones that work for a government are like frantically going around backing up all of the data in case something mysterious happens to it once like, <laughs> yeah. once Donald Trump takes over. I mean, it's, it's terrible. And did you see that thing that, um, he's, he's, he's asked all the, for the names of all of the people in the, in the administration who like oh, work I saw on something about that. Yeah. yeah all the people the who work, work on, on climate, climate change. Yeah. He wants all their names, all the people who like doing the clean power plan and all that sort of stuff and he was told chilling isn't Isn't that chilling oh no oh god oh we better um we better talk about something else okay uh what Come Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus. So anti Inhoff, oh god. Yeah, there are some good people out there doing good things. Who has been doing good stuff this week, Dave? <laughs> Bless you. Bless you, my child. May I just say at this point, I think the two of us are battling on heroically in the face of some very, very serious man flu. Yes, uh, well I done, agree. Us. Well done, us. Uh, David Attenborough. Oh, I love David Attenborough. Oh, David Attenborough yeah. is amazing. He's four thousand years old and he's still <laughs> going. And he finished his thing, Planet Earth Two, by which was this amazing, ah, oh, so amazing. One of them it great, amazing. big, amazing nature documentary things, all with like magic telly, and uh, it was all about the Earth and how beautiful it is. And he finished it with this. Looking down on this great metropolis, the ingenuity with which we continue to reshape the surface of our planet is very striking. But it's also sobering. 
It reminds me of just how easy it is for us to lose our connection with the natural world. Yet it's on this connection that the future of both humanity and the natural world will depend. It's surely our responsibility to do everything within our power to create a planet that provides a home not just for us, but for all life on Earth. I mean, isn't, isn't that just... I mean, just I'm just... I'm well just... Well Dave. Well yeah. done, not you, other one. Well done, hey? Dave. Oh, right, yeah. Right, yes. yes, no, it is wonderful. Um, and uh, Well, it's nice because historically the BBC big set piece nature documentaries have been a little bit timid when it comes to saying... Oh, and by the way, we're all f- um, You know, it's, it's been a sort of very quietly saying things like, and uh, glaciers in the Himalayas have reduced by 50% in the last 10 years. Like, what? Oh, that, that's awful. You should be, they, cancel everything. Can, and he just goes, anyway, here's another picture of a nice monkey. But this time, <laughs> he has at least been a bit more upfront about the fact that we're knackered and that um, what we do about that is really up to us and up to us now. Do you know what I think is going to happen, though? Uh, oh, I'm not going to like it, am I? What? You're not going to like it. You know how this has been the worst year ever in many ways? Imagine what would cap that. Oh. Imagine, imagine the news, the headline on Christmas morning. You know don't, what I'm thinking, don't you? Don't say it. We need what we need is every medical professional in the country at David Attenborough's house for the rest of 2016. Yeah. He needs to be on permanent watch. I don't. If Attenborough, if anything, it's just a sniffle, then I will. I will rain down on the medical profession for letting that happen. Schadenfreude of the week. Right. Schadenfreude of the week, then. Um, and we're going to do this very briefly because it's a danger of your head exploding through <laughs> pride, right? Uh, do you want to tell everyone what you've done? Oh, I've done a thing. Well, what? sort of. What have you done? Sort of done a thing. Um, there is a thing called the Advertising Standards Authority. Ooh, mm. play the sexy Advertising Standards Authority music, Dave. Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, A-S-A. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and they ban adverts occasionally when people aren't allowed to say things that are nonsense. Uh, and we uh, wrote to them, we being the environment charity I work for, uh, wrote to them saying, hang on a minute, there is some very dodgy adverts out there for a very dodgy practice all to do with air pollution and diesel vehicles. Um, I will try and sum it up in not boring terms. Here we go. Uh, diesel cars built in the last 10 years. Oh, 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 oh. Remember last week I made you do something in 30 seconds? Yeah. Go. Diesel cars built in the last 10 years have usually had a little filter in them to keep the pollution out, uh, but people have been finding that they're a bit crap, so they have been going to garages saying, what can you do about this? The garage have gone, do you know what? We can rip that out and no one will notice. It'll even pass this MIT because we can do it in a way that they won't detect. And they've been boasting about it. It's not technically illegal, but it's definitely immoral. And uh, we said, that's not okay. We wrote to the ASA. The ASA said, yeah, it's not okay. And so Avon Tuning in Bristol, they have been bollocks. This is very good. I'm getting right. Next time, next travel, I'm getting you to do everything you're going to say in just 30 seconds. Then I can do the rest. Fantastic. Well, you can do the rest in one of your pithy 29-minute questions. Oh, well, well done, all. Very good. Yeah, very good. That'll show Donald Trump who's boss, won't it? Exactly. 
I mean, what it will do is potentially anger, you know, 90% of the kind of adult population of the UK who are just people who drive cars and, and want their cars to go faster. And, um, you know, people floppy haired do-gooders like me um, getting rulings that say, actually, you're not really supposed to rip your pollution filter out. We'll just make them make them burn more fridges, probably. Reasons to be cheerful. Right, reasons to be cheerful. Yeah, I got one. Huh, huh, really? Mm. Go I on got then. one. I've got a reason what, to be cheerful. One. Yeah, uh, climate change is not. It's getting better. It's getting better. All it's better. Better news. What? All better news. All really? That's not true. No, it is right. Every time we come in here, we're like, "Oh, 2016 was warmer than 2015. 2015 was warmer than 2014." And like, there's like only one polar bear left, and everything's terrible, right? Well, news came out last week that said November 2016, which is the month that we have just had, yeah, yes, was not was cooler than November 2015 by 0.07 degrees Celsius, right? So there is global warming is definitely getting better. We had a cooler November than we did November 2015, right? So things are moving in the right direction. How about that? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's all I've got, mate. It's all I've got. You're the one oh. telling me David Attenborough's going to die. It's all I've got. <laughs> Right, so that is just about it for another Babble. Babble 68 in the can, and that means I'm excited about the next one, which will be yes, at some point be early the next in the one. next Yes, year. that's right. Yes, yes indeed. Um, uh, yes, we'll do that very soon, but we don't know when, because we're going to get off our face of <laughs> booze, um, and then we're away for a little bit, and then we're around, and then we're not around, you know, that sort of stuff anyway. So we'll, we'll do a Babble at some point, and it will be great. Um, and uh, thank you all for Hello. a year's worth of babbling and for oh. all your festive loveliness and to you Dave uh, thank you very much as ever to my lovely niece Arabella for reading out the babble another year of babble from Arabella one day not too far from now she's going to get distinctly bored of this uh, <laughs> but until then thank you very much thank you too to the wonderful the legendary Dickie Moore for the music that is at the beginning and the end and the intertwinkly bits of this podcast you can get in touch with us. You can send us Christmas love and you can tell us how brilliant the babble is and you can tell us all your thoughts. Thank you to everyone who's been emailing us. We've had a wee flurry of contact recently and we do like it. You can contact us at hello at sustainababble.fish or find us on Twitter at the Babble Wagon or on Facebook. Just search for Sustainababble. And if you, over the festive period, are so inclined, give us a wee rating and a review on your favourite podcast medium of choice. All right, well, that is just about it. Uh, uh, hey, oh, oh it on, is not. On. No, I it is not. I forgot about this. Now then, oh. <laughs> yes. What's the worst thing you have ever heard? This. Animals are innocent. Don't be speciesist. Never use the name of an animal as an insult for a human. No, oh, that's the vegan music. You're not allowed to play oh, that yeah. anymore. Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. the worst thing I've ever heard is this, which, believe it or not... It, People listening to this podcast may have views about the uh, the opposition party, the Labour Party, um, and whether or not you know they they're doing a brilliant job at um, holding the government to account. They may have views. Who knows? Um, let's see what they think about the fact that what they're really doing is a terrible, terrible, unforgivable Christmas song. Yep, this is Labour MPs singing a little song about Christmas. This is a real thing. Twenty sixteen, oh, we God. salute you. 